Hi, Al Morton here, and welcome to my takeout podcast, Sex, Drugs and Sausage Rolls. Coming up in this edition, episode 15, we're going to be joining the captain of the pirate ship, Pride of Britain. Aha, shipmates, there better be plenty of grog. We'll also be helping to run a wild cake-thieving bear out of town. And asking the big question that's on everyone's lips, are we charging these lazy doctors and nurses enough for their car parking and COVID tests? Finally, do MPs really deserve a £1 million a week pay rise? Of course they do. All this, plus Mike Britton, international guitarist of repute, will be explaining to us why he had to give his award back and sharing a few tips on how to keep warm during the fuel crisis. started, I should explain, these podcasts are an audio version of my blog, almorton.com, the kinder surprise of satirical comedy. I play some Spanish guitar, make snarky comments on Twitter, and generally annoy people who think that good old Boris Johnson, Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, at least for now, is doing his best, which of course he is, for himself. Okay, I'm going to be honest, it's been really difficult to get this episode out. The news has just been awful, and the last thing that anyone needs is more misery. And fair enough, I don't want to add to that dialogue. So instead, I want to explore what has led to the biggest cost of living hike in history, and find out what you're all going to be wearing to the riots. not going to start whining about Brexit again and Boris Johnson. You do know he's doing the best that he can. What a bad idea it was for Johnson to fly to Saudi Arabia. Really? Why? We don't even need oil from from Saudi Arabia. Apparently, the UK only uses 3-5% to of Russian oil and gas. That could be easily made up. But no, we want to deal with a state that only yesterday killed 81 prisoners. How I can only imagine. And who was responsible for the Khashoggi killings and torture? A little postscript to the Saudi Arabian trip is that Johnson came back empty-handed, having failed to secure a commitment to increase oil production. Apparently, Bin Salman was not happy with the UK's human rights records with regards to asylum seekers. (laughs) I don't know if it's true or not, but... Right. Now then, let's try and find something funny to say. Oh, there isn't anything. So I spoke to my son about this and he said, Dad, stop staring into the abyss and say what's on your mind. So I am going to say what is on my mind. I don't know, we might find something to laugh at. But really, what is happening right now, this is serious stuff. And I do remember one of... um, I'm trying to think who it was that was talking about it. Oh, I know. My favourite doomsday uh, YouTube channel, Canadian Prepper. And I I know a lot of people criticise him. His episode titles are kind of a bit clickbaity, if I'm honest. But he seems like the kind of guy that is trying to get people to think about what is going to happen. And he shares his ideas of where he sees things going. And of course... 
he's always looking on the dark side of things. And one one of the things that he said in his last episodes entitled, you know, something like, oh, this shit is getting real or something like that. They're, they're all got similar names. And he he pointed out that baby boomers, which are, I th- I'm guessing that's my generation, we do have a different perspective on this to millennials because we did, and I'm speaking personally now, I did live through the Cuban Missile Crisis. I was very young at the time. And we were all forced to confront the reality of what a nuclear war would really be like, what would World War Three be like. And I think it was um, Einstein that when, when he was asked what kind of weapons would be used in the next world war, he said, I know not what kind of weapons will be used in World War Three, but I'm pretty certain that World War Four will be fought with sticks and stones. I'm sorry about the Bavarian drinking music. We seem to caught him at a, an inopportune time. And that is the point, isn't it? We lived under my generation, the baby boomers. We lived under a period of what was called mad, mutually assured destruction. The Russians and the Americans had so many nuclear warheads that if war were to break out, we would all die. And that hasn't... Although there's been a um, non-nuclear proliferation treaty, especially after the... uh, I think it's the 1983 incident where nuclear Armageddon was very narrowly averted. uh, After the Russians thought that there was going to be a launch. Launch! And it was only someone in the chain of command, not at a very senior level, said, I'm going to wait a minute before we do this. And a nuclear disaster was very narrowly averted. Thank goodness. But this threat hasn't really gone away. We've been sidetracked. We've all been busy with the pandemic, trying to work out, you know, our international identities. Britain has been obsessed with Brexit. Europe has been busy trying to point out that maybe Brexit wasn't such a good idea. I'm not going to go down that road. But it it is interesting for me personally to see how quickly and decisively the Europe has been able to move because they're not really being hamstrung by having to bring Britain along with their veto. They if If they wanted to take action against Putin, which they did, they didn't have to seek British approval and were able to cut off, for example, the Nord Stream 2 gas supply line. So maybe maybe that's a Brexit benefit, but uh, I really do think it's a shame that now we've got a real crisis, a world crisis really, but definitely a European crisis uh, on our doorstep. Britain finds itself marginalised. The whole of Europe, the EU, have got together to discuss What could they do jointly to take action against Putin for this invasion of Ukraine? And the UK are left going, oh, well, we need to make sure that uh, if any refugees come to the UK, that they've got visas. Therein lies the challenge of satirical podcasts. Most people aren't interested in politics. 
They don't want to think about why things are getting worse. So thank goodness we have the Daily Express, Daily Mail and Nigel Farage to explain it all to us. Of course, I now realise that this is all the fault of Johnny Foreigner. Britain is full. Here, if I want to eat hormone-impregnated meat, EU-banned pesticides and kill all them sodding bees, I should have a right to do so. And without those busybodies in Brussels annoying everybody and trying to stop us from filling us rivers with... Oh, the freedoms of Brexit. And according to Johnson's speech at the Blackpool Conservative Conference today, the Ukrainians are fighting for the same kind of freedoms. But it's the instinct of the people of this country, like the people of Ukraine, to choose freedom every time. I can give you a couple of famous recent examples. When the British people voted for Brexit in such large, large numbers, I don't believe it was because they were remotely hostile to, to foreigners. It's because they wanted to be free. Yes, because Brexit Britain is exactly like the city of Maripol, flattened by Russian artillery. And call me pedantic if you like, but my understanding is that Ukraine actually want to join the EU. But just when you think he can't lower the bar any further, he manages it. Apparently, he is the only one in the UK standing up against Russia. Unbelievably, Johnson actually made Evgeny Lebedev, the son of a KGB agent, a lord. Prior to this, the UK's Prime Minister attended a party without his security detail at Lebedev's castle in Perugia, Italy. Here's a fun fact. Lebedev actually has a pet wolf called Boris. Ooh, perhaps he ate a pair of Johnson's socks during his stay. And this is the real reason for Operation to Save the Big Dog. There's never a better round when you need one, is there? In my last podcast, episode 14, I suggested that this path could lead to war. And here we are. Strong words about sanctioning Russian assets but giving oligarchs 30 days to move their money offshore and 60 days to sell property. It doesn't sound strong to me, but after receiving all that money, I suppose it would be churlish to completely turn against the Conservative Party, friends of Russia, even if the state has bombed hospitals, blocks of apartments and refugee centres. Here is Nigel Farage explaining to Channel 4 News where he got his money from. Nigel, how are you? Very well. Can I just ask you a quick question? You can try. Um, who's paying for all this now, Nigel? Nigel, one more time, just for the record, who's paying for this operation now, for all your bodyguards? Russians. Oops. <laughs> we interrupt this podcast to bring you an urgent message. Wow, Captain Spaffer here. Now listen up, shipmates. I got two bits of good news and one bit of bad. Well, shiver me timbers, if the good old B&O, Brexit and Orient Ferriers, ain't gonna be sailing under a new black-hearted parity flag. And the second bit of good news is that we's gonna run aground on Treasure Island. <laughs> oh, your donations are loot plundered from British taxpayers has finally paid off and the Redcoats and I ain't talking butlins they've had their fire and hire bill thrown out. 
this means that as of today, you flea-bitten, scurvy-ridden, useless snowflake crew of halfwits are going to be replaced by a new crew, a Brexity crew. The bad news for the rest of you can sling your hook. And those that don't like it, you're going to end up walking the plank like semen stains from the Jolly Roger are thrown overboard as shark chum, or worse, ironing Boris Johnson's jogging shorts. <laughs> so don't bother going into work tomorrow or run squealing to the press, because they ain't going to be doing nothing. <laughs> Happy sailing shipmates. Some people are truly evil, and I have been asked to make it clear that this item is purely satirical. It may surprise you to learn that Captain Spafford does not actually exist. Or, that's exactly what I'd expect a remoaning, snivelling, little bed-wetting woke tar to say. Excuse me a minute. It's always good to hear from the captain of the Spirit of Britain, now registered in Cyprus. I know how much you hate politics, so I think it's time to find out what the Twittersphere has to say. This week, there seems to be an inordinate amount of vitriol tweeted about Nazanin Ratcliffe, freed after being imprisoned in an Iranian jail for over six years. Now you would think that most British people would be delighted that Nazneen Zagari Ratcliffe is finally reunited with her husband Richard and seven-year-old daughter Gabriella. But apparently there are some on Twitter who use the hashtag, and I say this advisedly, an ungrateful cow or hashtag send her back. Curiously, a statistical analysis of 14,000 tweets created by Mark Owen Jones, shows that these hashtags tended to be used by anti-EU Boris's doing a good job merchants. And the list goes on to include the usual xenophobic idiots and a few Putin apologists for good measure. I did see a rather interesting Venn diagram which illustrated the mix quite clearly and I have to say that where the domains intersected it was labelled with an Anglo-Saxon verb, followed by a gynaecological noun. I think it was Stephen King who said, adverbs are not your friend, though I don't think he was talking about <laughs> at the time. Oh, I must remember to bleep that out later. <laughs> OK, it's time for a cultural differences story. And the one that caught my eye this week comes from Italy. It's about a bear that broke into a ski resort bakery in Abruzzo. I don't know what it is about bears, but perhaps I identify with them a little too well because they sleep a lot and they're always hungry. As a child, I was a big fan of Yogi Bear and this story reminded me that the problem with bears is that they're always getting into trouble. Yogi Bear with the park ranger for poaching visitors' picnic baskets and the protagonist of this story, Carito, which I believe roughly translates as charity, as opposed to chastity. I mean, I think that's a different kind of bear. 
I hadn't fully taken on board, but there is quite a bit of dangerous wildlife living in the Italian mountains, and interestingly, the article is at pains to point out that bears have bigger teeth than wolves. What big teeth you've got, Grandma? That's because I'm a bear and not a sodding wolf. I get a downer, Boris. We learned that bears generally avoid contact with humans and are not that keen on skiing. Well, for one thing, they don't fit well into the ski lifts. However, Carito, a rare Mariscan bear, has unfortunately developed a taste for food scraps and in an escalation of bearish hijinks, staged a major break-in. According to Valentini, apart from causing mayhem by drinking out of the town's water fountain, and posing on his hind legs for tourist photographs, he started to hang out around the bakery. There had already been reports of bears splashing about in the nearby village fountain, but things were about to get much worse. When a woman in the middle of the night could hear strange scratching noises and thought she was being broken into, she flung back the shutters of her first floor balcony, only to be confronted by a bear. I can see the scene now. Hey, Goldilocks, any chances of biscuits or some porridge? I don't like it too hot or too cold, by the way. The terrified woman said the bear was so close that when I shined the light from my phone on it, I was able to count his teeth. He had a big red tongue. <laughs> big red tongue. <laughs> An interesting side note to this story is that her brave husband dashed past them both and threw himself off the balcony to escape. <laughs> According to the article, he only suffered minor injuries. <laughs> they wouldn't have been minor if my wife had been involved, I can tell you. <laughs> the article didn't mention if his wife was okay. But thankfully, the bear took flight, but not before leaving a large steaming pile on the balcony. <laughs> There's more... Marina Valentini told our intrepid reporter that My husband popped out to the bakery we own and I was at home expecting him for dinner when he called and said Marina, there's a bear in the bakery. My first response was, have you been drinking? <laughs> because that's, that's always your first response, isn't it? When you're told there's a bear in the bakery. <laughs> the article goes on to explain that Valentini's husband was very much sober. It was about 9pm in late November when the rare brown bear, fondly nicknamed Juan Carrito, sauntered up the town's main street and crossed the terrace of Dolce Momenti, Sweet Moments Bakery, before turning into a side alley, smashing a small window with its claws and clambering over a ledge into the kitchen where he scoffed all the biscuits. Sorted. <laughs> well, that's what bears do, isn't it? He must have smelled them wafting down the street, Valentini said. I had baked so many. Some were on the table, the rest were in the oven. The doors were slightly open, and he managed to pull out all the trays. The story goes on to explain that he'd become accustomed to sleeping in the pine trees just outside of the village and then would wander in, much to the amusement of tourists, where he would entertain them by rifling through the bins for leftover pizza and sandwiches. He has since been captured and is learning how to behave in the wild, 
Residents are divided as to his future. Some think he should be left to roam as he pleases, whilst others want to see him run out of town, presumably by the local sheriff. Back in Rocarasso, Valentini is prepared. The window through which Carito entered the bakery has now been fitted with bars. It was a disaster at the time. We had to throw everything away and disinfect everything. <laughs> everything had to be disinfected, <laughs> she said. Now I have to deal with the crazy publicity. Tourists come in and ask, are these the biscuits the bear ate? I wonder if they serve bear claws. <laughs> it's an American pastry made with almond paste and raisins. Listening to the Al Morton Takeout, episode 15, Specs, Drugs and Sausage Rolls. You can find out more about this podcast, including music and production credits, by visiting the website almorton.com forward slash takeout. I'm back on my favourite subject now, cultural differences. And because I've moved on from politics, no, not really, there's doubt funny about politics, or is there? For a start, I won't be mentioning the British Cabinet Minister Nadine Doritos, I mean Doris, Secretary of State for Culture and Ostrich Bun Flavoured Snacks. <laughs> That's a bit of a mouthful, isn't it? And it only takes a quick glance around the British Prime Minister's Cabinet table to see that if you're not especially talented or burdened with principles, it is possible for ordinary people to smash through the glass ceiling of high office in government. But Nadine Dorries, cultural secretary? Really? Johnson is just trolling us these days. And I don't wish to sound a bit mean, but she has about as much culture as a Spice Girls Lego set. <laughs> I did read one comment, which was supposed to be an April Fool's joke. And I think, I think it read something along the lines of, Pretty Patel deports herself. Okay, right, that's enough of that. The last thing I would want to be accused of is being a misogynist, a woman hater. Because really, I don't think the, the women in Johnson's cabinet can hold a candle to the sheer crass stupidity of some of the male members of Parliament, and I include the crime of making a C-minus, could try harder, failed education secretary Gavin Williamson a lord. Actually, I did have a whole celebrity jungle sketch ready to go. It was based on that Nadine Doris thing, having to eat. Oh, well, I don't. Let's not revisit that. I mean, honestly, I saw it for the first time the other day and I just couldn't believe it. We have this awful hot cross bun music. And then Nadine says, what's that in the bun? She's got a Liverpool accent. I can't do that. And 
and ant or deck. I can't tell which one it is. They both look the same to me. He says, it's not bun, it's boom. <laughs> oh, are you joking me? <laughs> no, you've got to eat it. She says, okay then. Oh, by as bloody lovely that is. <laughs> they should be serving that at the MP's canteen in the Houses of Parliament. I don't suppose you've got any brown sauce, have you? Anyway, I didn't do that sketch for obvious reasons. That's not it, by the way. It was much worse than that. I don't think I'm alone in observing that it's a lot harder to be funny these days. Ask Will Smith. Though I think the comedian, Chris Rock, who will upstaged at the Oscars with a hard slap across the face. <laughs> oh, wow! Will Smith just smacked the shit out of me. Speaking personally, I think Rock's agent should have also given him a slap for crimes against comedy. One obvious cultural difference is that Spain continues to keep a mask mandate in place for public buildings and transport. And whilst most people don't like wearing masks, unless you're at a conservative kink party, it's not too much of an imposition. E passes that bull gag, love. Me test came back positive. Up until relatively recently, they were compulsory outside as well. Masks, not ball gags, obviously. And I know this may be a touch of schadenfreude, but I was surprised to read about a Brit being bundled into a van in my own town. I'm not wearing no f***ing mask. I'm supposed to be on me holidays. Another thing I'm quite niffed about is that nurses in the UK will now have to pay for tests and the trusts are going to be helpfully deducting £50 a month from their paychecks. And in what universe does that make any sense? This is in addition to them now being charged for parking. What do you get when you leave your car in a hospital car park anyway? Nothing. They don't even keep an eye on it. It's a kind of licensed theft. And at the risk of being all political again, if you don't like highway robbery, stop voting for Dick Turpin as Transport Minister. about politics. Yeah, yeah, all right, in a minute. Actually, parking charges, especially in the town where I come from, Bristol, have always been exorbitant. I once parked my car in a city centre NCP car park and on the way out I was told that the cost would be £25. Heaven only knows what it is now, but I do remember complaining to the attendant who replied, Young man, don't you know what NCP stands for? No comment, people. It's nearly time for me to go. And as always, I like to leave the last word on cultural differences to my great friend and maestro of the guitar, Mike Britton. I hadn't heard from him for a while, so I was keen to find out how he was coping with the cost of living crisis. So, if you're feeling a little down, I hope his reply, as it did with me, will lift your spirits he also sent me a little gift. A Kinder Egg surprise. That's nice. The email is titled, Man of Mystery. My dear Al, how kind of you to care. I've been lying low for a while. After that unfortunate business you probably heard about. Dot, dot, dot. So there I was, waiting in line on the red carpet at the Albert Hall to receive my Greatest Guitarist of All Time in the World Award, but the organiser 
had put us instrumentally in alphabetical order, hadn't they? The zither winner fell asleep waiting. So this guy ahead of me was collecting his greatest trad banjo player of all time statue and couldn't resist the chance of aiming a snide crack at Bebop in his cringing, boring acceptance speech. And I'd like to thank my plumber for fixing my dressing room tap. I, of course, immediately walked across the stage and smacked his gob. Of course, I've had to resign from the fellowship of popular geniuses and similar bodies. Oh well, it's perhaps nature's way of reinforcing that maxim that I've lived by. Ergo, do nothing but in moderation. I have no worries about fuel and food bills. On government advice, I've been wearing three jumpers from the Salvation Army as I chop up my furniture to burn. Also, boiled dandelions are quite tasty if sprinkled with a little food bank soy sauce. Cheers for now, Al, and please put aside any thoughts of... Well, just put aside any thoughts. Regards, Mike. Actually, I must uh, try the dandelion thing. It sounds quite delicious. Well, I'm going to say goodbye now, and thank you very much for listening. Stay safe, and catch up with you next time. A special thanks to Mike Britton, my editor Heather Margaret, sound effects and some of the music clips, courtesy of pixobay.com. And of course, as always, you can find out more about this podcast on almorton.com forward slash takeout. Podcast was written, performed, and produced by all mod. <laughs> 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 Sausage roll, anyone? <laughs>